And dear Christian friends, he didn't have a whole lot of time. As Paul was on his second missionary journey, he wasn't even able to spend more than but a few weeks in the city of Thessalonica to start that mission there. And in fact, because of the success of the gospel, because of the fruits that it was bearing, the enemies, those who were opposed to the gospel, the the Jewish people in that city, were quick to start a riot and rush Paul and his companions out of Thessalonica into the nearby town of Berea. So even though he didn't have much time, nevertheless, the gospel bore fruit. He was able to lay that foundation of the gospel and a church was formed. And even though he had to run away, the good news had returned back to him later on in his ministry that what he had preached and shared stuck. The gospel was bearing fruit. And as Paul had gotten that report, it was really that good news that encouraged him to write the response, the letter that we call 1 Thessalonians, to the believers there. To build on that foundation that had been laid while he was there for but a few weeks during his ministry. And his purpose then in this letter, 1 Corinthians, was to to encourage them, to build them up, to instruct them with with continuing uh, guidance to God's word as to, as as Paul says, how to, to live in order to please God. To live in order to please God. I don't want to assume, I think it's probably safe to say, but, but is it safe? Is it accurate to say that because obviously this is a gathering of, of Christians in God's house on a Sunday morning, that everybody at least on some level knows the basics of what it means to live a life pleasing to God, to live for the Lord. Now again, that, that might sound like I'm, I'm talking down to you. I'm not. Trust me. I just want to make sure that in, in asking that question and assuming that there is some basic knowledge that we have an understanding of what it looks like and what it means to live for the Lord or to live lives pleasing to God. Why? Because without that foundation, then the next question, the tough question, really isn't worth asking. And that tough question is this. Do you even care? Do you care about living to please the Lord? It's one thing to know how to do it, but does it actually matter to you whether your life is a reflection of one that seeks to please the Lord? It's a tough question to to wrestle with. Does it matter? Now, before you quickly respond with a, a yes, of course, we, we strive to live to please the Lord. Uh, my purpose in asking this question is to, to get you to actually reflect on it a little bit. And maybe in asking that question, again, you feel a, a little bit, maybe you can relate to, to Peter. After Jesus' resurrection, the last chapter of the Gospel of John, when, when Jesus comes to Peter and he says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter is kind of taken aback. He says, of course, Jesus, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. And three times, and and then the last time it mentions how hurt Peter was that Jesus would need to ask him if he actually loves him. Do you feel a little bit like that? For your pastor to ask you 
Do you actually care about pleasing to live the Lord? Because if it bothers you to hear me ask you that question, then you're in good company because it bothers me to have to ask it. And the reason I have to ask it is because if we aren't always evaluating and considering, giving thought to our Christian living and whether or not or where this ranks in importance, our living to please the Lord, realize how subtly and how slowly the stuff of this world will matter to us more. Do you know why it's so difficult to live lives that are are pleasing to the Lord? It's because he's got competition. See, our default isn't to, to think, how can I please, how can I serve the Lord today, tomorrow, and the next day? No, the, the Lord has plenty of competition in terms of who we live our lives to really serve and to please. And that competition includes ourselves and others. In fact, pleasing ourselves is really our default mode, isn't it? As you reflect over the course of of any given week, give thought to the choices that you make, the way that you spend your time, and, and really ponder this morning how much of that reflects that your intent, your desire is really more about pleasing the Lord than yourself. When you have a, a few moments in the day and you realize that nowadays with, with more content than we could possibly consume on all of our screens that we are as inclined to worship this God, this false God that we call streaming than to serve the real God. How many hours did you spend last week streaming? And then we've got a few more moments, maybe a couple hours at the end of the day, a few hours here or there, and, and how quickly, how, how much do we by default find ourselves worshiping at the, the altar of our gaming God? How many hours did you spend last week gaming? Getting lost in a good book, immersed in our favorite music being consumed by good food, being fanatical about fitness. You see how, how these things are, are really the, the little idols that we allow to plant in our hearts. And if you don't even think about how much time you spend in them, you will quickly fail to realize how your default each and every day of your life is really out to seek and please yourself. So before you're so quick to nod your head in agreement and say, yes, of course, we are interested. Yes, we want to live for the Lord. Yes, pleasing Him really matters to us. Take a good hard look at your life and how you spent even just the last week and ask yourself if you spent more time pleasing yourself with your choices or your Lord. And not only are we drawn to to pleasing ourselves, but we also are equally concerned about serving Others oftentimes, aren't we? It sure seems that the sun tends to rise a little bit earlier on Sunday morning, doesn't it? And if we are honest about how easily and how concerned we are with pleasing others, then we might recognize and confess how often we are easily swayed by a cranky wife or a difficult child who convinces us that church just isn't worth it that morning. 
and how oftentimes when we know better, it's just easier to save face at work by keeping our mouths shut than by pointing out something that's wrong. And how oftentimes we are so concerned and consumed with, with what other people think that, that perhaps I post something on social media that, that ought to embarrass or shame me, but because of my concern with likes and comments from my followers, I easily post that without a second thought. Do you see how, how easy it is for us to live to please ourselves and others and not so much God. And really the first step to overcoming that this morning, if we are going to live for the Lord, if we are genuinely and earnestly interested in pleasing Him, the first step is to confess it. To acknowledge that if my life is a mirror reflecting who I want to please most, then we have to confess that God is astonishingly absent from that reflection far too often in our lives. But maybe you still don't buy it. Maybe you, you still are convincing yourself in your own head that no, 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 more than me, more than others, I am concerned with living for the Lord, with pleasing Him. That is what matters most to me. Well, take a look at the, the longest chunk in, in our text this morning from Thessalonians. It might seem almost as if Paul just kind of inadvertently plugs this topic of sexual immorality in there and say, what, what does this have to do with the rest of the topic? But I, I wonder if maybe Paul recognized something about God's gift of sex, that, that that is perhaps more than anything else has the ability to show how selfish we are by nature. When it comes to sexual immorality, uh, abusing that gift from God shows how selfish we are, whether it's sex before marriage, sex outside of marriage, sex on a screen, no sex in marriage, it doesn't matter. It's all serving self when we abuse that gift that God has given us. We treat it as something to be, to be received, something to be gotten, rather than a gift to be given. Not only was that one of the besetting sins in Thessalonica during, during the time of, of Paul's ministry there, but I don't think anyone here can argue that it is also a besetting sin of our culture today that absolutely reflects really who we are most interested in pleasing with our lives. So the question it ought not to be one of who are we really interested in serving, but rather how does that change? How do we Think less of ourselves and pleasing ourselves and, and others and, and more to genuinely live for the Lord and want to please Him. Well, Paul pointed it out. See, you can't, really, you can't really please the Lord. You can't live for the Lord except through the Lord. You notice how he almost effortlessly wove into all of these words from our text this morning? the connection to Jesus. That everything that he mentioned in this section of sanctification, the fancy word for Christian living, comes back again and again and again to, to Jesus in one way or another. Again, he says, Finally, brothers and sisters, we instructed you how to live in order to please God. And now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. 
In verse 7, he reminds them and us, God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. That's God's calling. In verse 9, now about brotherly love, we don't need to write you for by yourselves, you have been taught by God to love each other. And there is the essential connection when it comes to living for the Lord. We can't be disconnected from the Lord if we genuinely want to live for the Lord. That is the essential components. For, for the last four weeks now, we have emphasized the importance of knowing the Lord, the Lamb, the Light, the Lord, because that is the only thing that will spur on and prompt our love for the Lord, which is then why we genuinely strive and want to live for the Lord, to please Him even before self. And the more we know Him, the more He changes our hearts and He works in us a genuine desire to want to please Him, to not be concerned with pleasing myself, to not see the days, uh, uh, the hours of the day and the days of the week as my time for me to manage how I want to, but His gift to please Him in so many different ways. And, and isn't that in and of itself, amazing. For, for 40 years now, 40 plus years, as a child of God on this earth, I still cannot get over the fact that, that someone like me, anyone like you, is even able to please the Lord. I know myself far too well to know that what is hidden in here ought to absolutely disqualify me from doing anything that God would smile on. And yet he says, it's possible to please Him. And that we can please Him. Why? Because Jesus has taken all that is, is wrong with us and He nailed it to the cross. Because every selfish, every self-centered concern that we have focused on ourselves, pleasing self and pleasing others, has already been paid for with the most precious payment possible the blood of Jesus. And so what is left when Jesus' grace and His forgiveness blot all of that out is nothing but the good and God-pleasing works that God Himself works in us to do. That is one of the, the most amazing things about grace too, isn't it? That, that it doesn't linger in the past. That who you were last week and what you did last night is already covered in God's forgiving grace. Like a wide open faucet of forgiveness, it will never run out. No matter how many times we default and we revert back to serving self and pleasing self, grace has already covered it. And that's not all that grace does. It, it literally changes our hearts in a way that only our supernatural, loving, and gracious God can do. To actually rewire my heart that is naturally hardwired to care only about me. And he says, no, 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 no. Now, when you know what I have done for you, when you know how precious you are to me, I'm actually going to change your heart in a way that gives you the sheer delight and joy of pleasing me. And you can. And you're called to. You notice too that that Paul wasn't writing his letter to the Thessalonians to a, a bunch of hardened, indifferent, godless heathens. 
In fact, quite the opposite, in encouraging their Christian living, their sanctification, these verses aren't a whole bunch of don't do this, don't do that, but actually a lot more encouragement. He says you're already doing this, and twice he says at the beginning, at the end, do this more. Do what you're doing, even if it feels like it's only a little bit, even if it feels like we're failures by and large, grace covers that, and and Paul builds on that, and he says, do those little things more and more and more. Because they are a delightful aroma, a fragrance to God. And he sees them as pleasing. And so Paul's encouragement to the Thessalonians is, is also God's encouragement to you. In view of his mercy and his grace, to let go of being concerned about pleasing yourself. And recognize that in and only through Jesus and because of what he's done for you, you actually are able to please God. Let that sink in today, this week, as you give thought to the choices that you make and reflect on who those choices are really aiming to please and serve. And be thankful for grace and every time that it covers up your, your selfishness and mine. And let grace continue to work in you to find genuine joy in living for the Lord, in pleasing Him. Amen.